Hey, this isn't the Killers. We mentioned Super Bowls in Vegas next year. Killers are from Vegas. They'd be ideal. They said, no, we're coming to Omaha to open up the Steelhouse yeah, you, you in uh, May me. downtown. You tricked me on that one. When you good, brought good, up the Killers. Good size yesterday. venue charging $75, though. Yeah. And Boy, it's $75 that, is general admission. It's not like yeah, oh, that, $75 gets you primo seating. It's again, just good size venue, but yeah. is that sustainable? Uh, $75. See the Killers. Mm-hmm. All right, you pay nothing, we pay nothing for Brian Christopherson. Actually, we should pay a lot for his uh, knowledge. He joins us now from Husker 24-7. Good morning, BC. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Are you a Killers fan, yay or nay? Um, you know, I don't know I don't know a lot of their music. I, I pro- Actually, they're probably one of those groups I do know a lot of their music, and I just don't know who's, who's doing it. And I know that sounds bad to say out loud because I know they're a recognized band. I'm sorry. Mm. I apologize. I bet if I, I bet if we we named some songs or we played some songs for you, you'd be like, oh yeah, I know them. Yeah, they're they're right. okay. Exactly. They're one of those bands to me where I I'm aware of them, and I if you played like six eight songs, I could probably hum the tune with you. Okay. But I just don't. I can't name oh. them. All right. So, so you that, were, that's where I'm at. You were in Ann Arbor in mid November, Mr. Brightside, which mm. the Michigan fans oh, yeah. sing. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's that's, the, that's probably their most popular song. <laughs> I think when you were young is also a yes. fantastic. So those song. are their, they're basically a two hit group. Oh, okay. Yeah, I so thought they had more than that. Um, yeah, Mr. Brightside, of course. I do know that one. Hey, yeah. let's uh, start with uh, basketball because Nebraska plays in New Jersey tonight against uh, Rutgers, who is an NCAA team, but they're trying to bounce back after losing a couple in a row in which they scored sixty uh, each game, and it'll be could be a rock rock fight. But before we before I ask you about that game. So yesterday, I'm watching the polls in Alabama basketball. Alabama basketball is number one in the country. Then I'm watching last night. Miami's got Jim Laranega, who has been very successful against the Dukes in North Carolina since he took over at Miami. They went to the Elite Eight last year. They got Jordan Miller at guard. They're, they got a good group of guards. They're going to be a tough out once you get to March again. But Miami is a top 15 basketball program. So these are two schools that we would consider football schools kind of on different levels, Alabama football compared to Miami football. Do you think that an Alabama or Miami basketball success has any impact on how we look at Nebraska basketball? Um, I, I mean, I guess it could. I've always thought you can have both. I, I don't buy into the theory you have to be just a football school or just a basketball school. And I think, you know, it, it goes the other way, too. I mean, you, you you've seen programs that are thought of as basketball first that have had years where like football's kind of in the talk like Kentucky's had a couple of those mm-hmm. years recently and um you know so there's examples both ways I think I always think of Wisconsin um and uh, you know obviously they're, they're good to bring up right now around here because everyone's kind of reveling in Nebraska's win over them but you look at a, a team that you know for the last 20 years pretty consistently has made the tournament they've been a threat like in, in postseason play they've you know been in the final four and did challenge for a championship and, I mean, I think Wisconsin was probably thought of as a little bit more football-heavy, um, you know, at one point, and, and that sort of now, um, you know, they share it a little yeah. bit. So I, I believe I believe you can have both. And I, I saw it on Saturday. It was just another example, um, and it can be taken for granted. Um, you know, Nebraska's got a losing record, but I think people do appreciate this particular team and their effort despite the injuries. But, you know, and you have, I don't know what the actual attendance was, but 10,000, 11,000, more than that. 
um, in the arena and being as loud as they were even when Nebraska was down double digits. This is a fan base that craves it. Um, and if we've seen it when it, you know, the special year with Tim Miles when it got rolling, what that place can be like, it can be one of the best venues in the country. I actually think that when Nebraska basketball is playing well. So, um, you know, they're working for it. And I, um, there's, there's been a couple good things happen the last week for a team that's had some obstacles. So you, you at least appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we go back to the injuries and then of course the most recent one, <clears throat> excuse me, with Bandamel. But then you look at some guys that have sort of emerged in the absence that just, you know, based on necessity, we saw Sam Hoiberg, you know, what Casey has done has been impressive, but then you also add the, the most recent addition to the sort of the feel good file. And that is blaze Kata with his role in what was kind of a, you know, a Derek Walker not performing. All right, Blaze, you go get him now. We got this uh, this two big lineup against, uh, you know, a Wisconsin team that has some length. You know, I, I know this is going to be matchup contingent too, but, I mean, what did you kind of take away from what we're being told is pretty much a healthy Blaze Cata for once? Yeah, hopefully it's a confidence booster for him because, I mean, he stood in there and he, he didn't give ground defensively and, I mean, I had 11 rebounds in 23 minutes. He just did everything he was asked to do in that game, drew a charge in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's always been a guy they've really appreciated, like how he's come to work even when he hasn't been playing a lot. So you like when guys get rewarded and have that moment. Now with him, it's, it's the same we could say about Jamarcus or Denham, all, all those guys where you're trying to like look for that that uh, foundation for the future. Like, can you stack them now? Yep. You know, can you can you go put two or three more of those uh, up where you have really solid performances over the next couple of weeks? Um, and that'll be the big question for Blaze. But um, it it was nice to see Nebraska. I mean, they tried something different with a, a big lineup there with Walker at the four and, and Kate at the five. And uh, it, it worked out in that particular game. And, um, you know, you're happy for Blaze because he had that high ankle sprain and those things, you know, when you get those in season, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, they're just nagging injuries that can really destroy uh, the year for a guy. And, and it's good that he was able to kind of get out of it and have something positive happen. Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7 joining us. Uh, you were there when Matt Rule and his – uh, press conference a couple weeks ago on the, the the late signing day, and he talked a little bit about his philosophy about playmakers, and and I like the idea of his coordinators ranking players, which I would love to see if those were ever public. But he also talked about <laughs> he also talked about putting guys in the right position, and we've we we kind of play this fantasy world of hey this guy looks like he could be playing this position. Hey, why not move a defensive tackle over to offensive line because Nebraska is light there. Is this now more than fantasy that after spring it wouldn't shock you to see maybe a handful of guys are at different positions or even during spring where if we get a look at practice you go, why is that guy with the defensive line? Is this something that you think will be reality? Yeah, I think there'll be a couple cases of that, uh, especially in year one. I mean, when you're just figuring out your personnel, there might be some guys um, – there could be a couple guys in the trenches, I suppose, who could shift. I know they're already – um, you know, there's a couple of recruits like Jason Machacek, and I hope I said his name right, the, the kid out of South Dakota. He's going to probably start on the defensive line, but he could play either. Like a Mason Goldman could play on either yeah. side of the ball. Um, but I always wonder, too, about 
guys in the back end of the defense. You kind of lose track of all those defensive backs that are in that room. And some of those guys have body types, or maybe a coach will look at them and be like, hey, maybe we could move him up a level, you know, or we could find some sort of rover spot for him. Um, so, you know, there's all sorts of those guys that are going to have their elbows out here um, in the spring that are going to try to claim spots, but maybe they're not at the exact uh, position we had them last year, you know. It, it, that, that secondary room has a lot of people in it. And there's, uh, you know, there's even guys like Kane Williams who people were excited about last mm-hmm. year when he came. And I always think of, like, Kobe Bretts and, you know, guys that we followed through recruiting that you, you sort of lose um, um, during the season and you forget about. And now is their chance to uh, to show they can be a part of it. And maybe that involves, uh, you know, that, that their spot being tweaked. Because Han Reddick, who obviously has had a great NFL career playing in the Super Bowl Sunday, you know, he was a safety to start uh, when he went to Temple, and he moved up, and he switched. They kind of tweaked his positions the first couple of years, and uh, it kept getting better from year to year. So, some of these things do take time too, um, and and it'll be interesting if if players can also have patience as they uh, as they develop, and and if maybe they move to a new spot. That's a big part of it. Uh, Brian and I know we're going to talk to Shafe on on Friday, but uh, you know one crystal ball prediction: having Nebraska, not the highest confidence level, but we, I think we all get that. I'm not going to ask you, you know, what does your gut tell you right now? But as far as a timetable, I know we've kind of discussed this a few times. Typically, these decisions don't go into the summer necessarily, but mm-hmm. are you kind of getting a feel of of when you think that timetable will be when we finally know exactly where Dylan Ryle is headed? I don't know that it's going to be hmm. like in late March, but I'll just say that I'll be at attention at those couple of weeks. Yeah. Like, you know, just saying it, I, I think it's possible. Um, yeah. So um, I agree with Schaefer's pick right now. Um, I I would, if you said, okay, you have to choose one, understand right. this is how I'm framing it, I would say Nebraska. But, I, I you know, you're, you're going against formidable competition there. Um, I, it's, it's more than just a family connection. I think that has put Nebraska right in the thick of this. It's, uh, it's Matt rule and his staff. They've, uh, they've done a heck of a job in a short period of time. Um, I think, you know, you, you've heard Dominic Riola talk and do interviews and yeah. stuff. And he's, uh, he's, he's, he's a big in the rule fan club. He expects that he's going to turn around his alma mater. And, um, you know, if your son would have a chance to be a main part of that, um, obviously it's going to be Dylan's decision, but that's a pretty attractive deal. And I, I still remember when Dylan received the Husker offer that first day and he, the way he tweeted it out on social media, and he had a special message about how this offer was about family and it meant something about family. I do think this one has always carried – um, a little more weight than some other offers, but it's a matter of do you have the right people at the top leading it where you feel like you're going to maximize if you actually go there, and mm-hmm. I think the family now is believing that that's, that's real, and that maybe wasn't the case uh, earlier. I, I agree with everything you said, and I think their professional approach and not taking for granted, yes, playing the family and you played here connection, but also treating him like a major priority that we're just meeting for the first time, which basically they were. I think that has resonated. Do you think, and, and you know, we're all trying to read into this, and he's definitely someone that 
when you're a program like Nebraska, he can change you. I mean, there's, you know, people are clamoring for parity in the sport. Everybody outside of Georgia and USC should be wishing that he goes to a place like Nebraska. But we know what a kind of guy like that can do for the perception. Is it is it something when Dom does these interviews and he talks about what Matt Rule is doing as a builder and he likes the progress that he'll drop in, but wins matter? Do you think he's mm-hmm. just doing that to play both sides of the fence when he says, well, yeah, you know what, wins do matter to Dylan? No, I mean it, it, they all, that that's always the biggest deal. We can talk about all the other stuff, but yeah. you gotta you gotta win at the end of the day. And I mean the, the thing that Rule has right now is he's got a resume that shows he's turned around stuff. And so you know when he goes into a room and he looks at across from at people and says, you know, we've done it at Temple. It wasn't easy there. These were the obstacles we overcame. It. We did it at Baylor. I started at Baylor and there was like 40 some scholarship guys when we arrived and in a couple of years, you know, that we were contending for the playoff. Um, you can say that people can look it up on Wikipedia and they're like, okay, you know, it checks out, you know, they all, they know all that. So um, I think uh, there's more of a track record that he has to sell uh, probably than even Frost did. I know Frost had the uh, undefeated, season there just before he came to Nebraska, but it was a shorter stint of time where he's at Central Florida. So the fact that Rule's done it in multiple places, turned it around, and um, you know, I and he's a good recruiter. I mean, this staff is just very confident in. Uh, I think when they get in front of prospects and what they're speaking yeah. about and what their mission statement is, and they're all on the same page. I know it's a younger staff, but they're all guys that have worked for rule or played for rule. And so they didn't have to like have this honeymoon phase where they're figuring out when they're talking to recruits, um, what's our message here. This guy has, a, he go, he's going down a different lane than this guy. And so I think all that matters when, you know, like they sent nine assistants, mm-hmm. uh, to see Dylan the one day, um, you know, those guys are all pretty much on the same page about, uh, what they want and what they're trying to get across because they've been together for the most part. And um, I, I don't think that should be understated. I think that's been a big part of these first two months and them having success is that they haven't had to try to figure each other out for the first, you know, five weeks or whatever. They already kind of knew what, what the other guy was doing, and they play off each other. Uh, BC, I, I know we finally have now pretty much heard from every coach. We, you heard uh, from Gary McGuire and, and Bob Wagger uh, last week. Uh, towards the end of the week, too. So, I mean, it, was there any kind of common theme now hearing every coach speak? I know a line was used a lot with just about every coach who spoke, but, I mean, any any sort of commonality, major takeaway now, kind of hearing from all of them? I think accountability really stands out. Um, mm-hmm. It felt like, you know, of the eight coaches I think there's been up there, I'll five or six of them at least I think brought up accountability at some point. And I think all of them would echo it of just like with, with rule, they feel like that, you know, you, you will get challenged on certain things and um, you know, they're going to, they're going to test each other behind the scenes and you're going to, you, you have a head coach who's going to make sure uh, you're dialed in the way you're supposed to be dialed in, in a good way. Um, and, and Evan Cooper talked about the one time, like you guys see that the nice rule. I occasionally get the other rule, yeah. and he meant that in a positive way, um, too. Like you have to have that. You have to have that that fire behind the scenes where where guys 
make sure you're you're um, on your game with whatever you're doing. And so it's things like that's a real part of yeah. it behind the scenes. And I think Husker fans, frankly, are craving that to hear that sort of thing. And because uh, they have all these ideas of how it's gone in the past, and we won't get all into that, but they want to hear that the head man just has like a good read on like all the different things that are going on in this program, and that he can be a commander of that. And I think, I think that's what came out is that accountable word. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was also good, Nick, that you know Garrett. Obviously, everybody knows the age thing that was brought up for like a month or two after it was known he was going to get hired. I think it was good that he was able to kind of get that out of the way, sort of be playful about it. And now you can, he can kind of just move on with the media yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, where that's not the big subject. So I think that was useful to just have that press conference where, okay, that's part of the subject matter yeah. today. And now we can turn the page on it. Um, it definitely uh, accountability when Matt rule is at the 6am workouts when he can be, I mean, when he's allowed to be there, that's, we, we, we don't usually hear about that. That's become a, uh, Something that everybody's talking about that he might be in Arizona uh, on a on one night and he's back at six a.m. Uh, inside watching all the uh, workouts. So that's that that's something I think with a new team and talk about accountability that if they're going to be there and their coach is there, I think that resonates and not just him but the staff is there as well. Yeah, and you know everybody's all worried about the scholarship numbers. When Rule was sort of talking about that, I think you got the impression he's like it'll play itself out. You know, the standard is the standard is going to be set here. It is being set right now in strength and conditioning, and we'll go forward into the spring. And some guys are going to take it or leave it, and that's fine for the guys who leave it. But um, it it's not time to get uh, too fired up about oh they're over the limit on this or that because uh, that's going to change, and he knows it. I agree. BC, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Mike Schaefer, who uh, made the uh, crystal ball. The good thing about Schaefer is he doesn't flip-flop. Like A lot of those people that do, especially national, will put yeah. in a crystal ball, and then they'll flip at the last minute, and the percentage looks good. Um, you know, we, we know what Schaefer is a curmudgeon, and he dislikes Nebraska vehemently. Oh, horribly. Uh, yeah. So for him to put that in there, I mean, we, we, got, we talked about Woody Womack from Rivals. He was like, no, nope, Dylan's not coming to Nebraska. He's going to USC. I, I just say buckle up, and, and something BC alluded to. Nebraska is gearing up for a lot of in-person, hey, stop by during spring, March 24th. March 24th is their big, big, here we go. These are some dudes that are going to be here on visits, and they will just be into spring practice. So they will have just kind of started with their spring practice. I think that's the weekend that that'll be their first padded practice as well that will coincide with that. So look out for uh, what happens out of the group that will be here on the 24th of March. All right, uh, Andy Kendi will be here before the hour is over. It's Mornings with Sharp and Handley on 1620 The Zone.